Unique Ways with Thomas Gerard emerges with people from all walks of life who through their own unique angle succeed and flourish. Enjoy the ride and welcome to Unique Ways, an audio podcast. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to Unique Ways with Thomas Gerard, an audio podcast. Um, We've got a super awesome guest today. Um, They are a self-starter and keen collaborator, passionate about building the creative spaces where people want to work, both cultural, structural, and operational, thriving in director and lead roles, managing individuals and their teams, as well as across departments and disciplines. Please join me in welcoming Stevie Nguyen. Welcome, Stevie. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. You ready for 20 questions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, here we go. Number one, tell me a little bit more about yourself. What do you do? Uh, Right now, I am the product design manager for Clio, uh, legal practice management technology. Um, As we say, our mission right now is to transform the legal experience for all. And I specifically manage a team of six product designers um, in the financial portfolio space. So that's kind of the fintech uh, within Clio. Great. Um, Just a note for our audience, Stevie and I know each other, I think, just from being in similar um, professional circles, um, but we're both um, alumni of Simon Fraser University, so that's another connection. As well as Emily Carr. Yeah. Um, Number two, uh, what's a key piece of knowledge that makes you different? A key piece of knowledge that makes me different, I think... um is really just my my background. My very first years in the professional world was working within a leadership and development mm. uh, boutique. And that's kind of been the foundation for my design approach, but also for how I lead people and build teams. And you also have a, a foot in, or once did have a foot in the, the conference scene, uh, particularly in Vancouver, is that right? Yes, that's right. I was uh, the MC for three years at um, Content and Design uh, that was primarily organized by Steve Fisher mm. from Republic of Quality. And then I was also helping out for a little bit with Style and Class, which was also organized by Steve and helped out. Actually, I was part of the original first group of people that helped out with uh, Russell Taylor's Touchpoint Conference, which um, I think is primarily sponsored by SFU. That name sounds familiar. He's an educator in uh, in Vancouver too, right? Is he at SFU? Yes, that's right. He's the professor for the School of Interactive Arts and Technology. Great. And his students and his um, teaching have made quite an impact, I think, on Vancouver's tech scene in many ways. Right, cool. Okay, um, number three, why this of all things? Why do you do what you do? Uh, oh gosh. Um, as a designer, unfortunately, what I would say is I always thought I think I'd be more of an artist, but I didn't want to be poor. <laughs> I didn't want to struggle. And so I think design was a way for me to be creative, um, to make money, but ultimately to still solve problems in creative ways. And that's something I really enjoy doing. And now, in more people management roles, I really enjoy kind of putting together a team, harnessing their strengths and giving them opportunities to solve problems as teams um, and facilitating that connection that makes it fun and meaningful and impactful. 
I think it's super interesting to think of design as problem solving or opportunity finding. I'm reminded of a conversation that John Norman kind of started fairly recently about how he didn't want to solve the everyday um, problems and do the everyday problem solving anymore. And he wanted to focus on these kind of bigger, larger um, things that needed tackling. And, and he kind of uh, faced a lot of criticism because of that decision. Hmm. What kind of problems was he talking about? I think he wanted to to deal with things like climate and, and pandemic and those kinds of things. Mm, yeah, I think that's really meaningful. And I think if you have the skills, the network, the resources to tackle that level of complex problems mm. and systemic problems, that's incredible. I think mm. I meet a lot of, I would say, primarily younger designers who enter the design industry wanting to accomplish that. Mm. Um, yeah, I think, that, I think that's really incredible. Mm. Great. Um, number four, what does your future look like? Ooh, my future. I see myself still leading people, but in terms of, I know further down, we're talking about place. Um, I see myself really grounded with my family in Vancouver. Um, that really being our home base, but us moving around a lot. Um, I don't really... I have a hard time seeing us spending, you know, more than 75% of our time in Vancouver. That's awesome. I'm finally doing planning some what I'm calling post-pandemic travel, which will be travel next year for, for conferences. Um, but it's been a long time since I've been on a plane. Yeah. It is a new kind of experience with new types of fears, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, number five, let's talk about location. How does the notion of place play into what you do? Mm -hmm. I think, let me start by saying, I think the notion of place plays into who I am really strongly mm -hmm. and my sense of identity. Um, I think many folks who know me know that I often talk about how my parents, uh, my mother particularly was a is a Vietnamese boat person. Um, and so we arrived she arrived as a refugee. My dad eventually came as an immigrant. Um, and both of them were displaced by the war. And I, I grew up in East Van. Um, and I have so much pride about East Van. I've seen East Van just change so much. I've lived all over in different parts of it. Um, and it's really just affected the way I see the world, like a sense of community, a sense of like strong neighborhood identity, a sense of knowing your neighbors and knowing um, the people that own the businesses or the people that work at the businesses that you frequent. Um, that has me approaching things, um, really thinking about relationships. So I would say that's, that's how place plays into what I do. I think a lot about relationships within places and um, what kind of places, what kind of relationships a place fosters. It's interesting, right? Like the earlier guests would respond to this question in, in more of the abstract place, um, places as in uh, how, you, how you fit into the world or something like that. And more recently we've had this uh, more distinct association with the physical place and the, the actual place. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a wide open one and it's great to hear the range of, uh, of, uh, responses to this. Mm -hmm. Um, number six, if you had to start from the beginning, what advice would you give your former younger self? 
gosh, this one's so easy in some ways and so hard to do. Um, I think be honest with yourself. Practice, practice being truthful with yourself first. Um, yeah, and I'll leave it at that. Great, I love it. Number seven, what's a day in your life like? Uh, right now, honestly, if I can wake up at 7.30 in the morning and quickly get ready for bed, uh, quickly get ready for work and be sitting down for work by 8 a.m. PST, then I am happy. And right now I do work at 8 to 5-ish <laughs> um, kind of day. And it depends on a day whether or not I um, my son is with my partner and I for that particular week. If it's a if it's a Noah week, then we spend some time together. We take him to like his karate classes. Uh, we might play a board game, kind of just like hang out, um, and then have dinner and go to bed. Like my days are really boring in in many ways. Um, kind of, it's it's really stable right now. My life, my day to day. Boring days in Vancouver are not a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of interesting, I would say, like because if I were to use the past month as an example of my life, um, you know, I have these kind of really stable days during the weeks when we have Noah, and then on the weekend, my partner and I will like fly away. And um, like right now, you're talking to me from San Francisco, but if you talk to me two weeks ago, I was in Tofino, or two weeks before that, I was in LA, and so. Um, increasingly I have stable weeks with Noah and then I have a week where I'm like working from another place and waking up and going surfing or waking up and going to yoga and then working and then going to see friends or going to see a show or going out for dinner in another city um, so I'm beginning to look at my schedule and time as less what happens in a day and more what happens in like two week time periods I like that um yeah okay number eight <laughs> Um, sorry. Number eight, lifelong learning is a popular topic these days. How do you stay up to date? Um, scrolling LinkedIn, uh, talking to my partner who works in a whole other area and uh, than I do. She works kind of in nonprofit and philanthropy world. And it just talking to someone who's different than me, all those things will trigger new lines of thinking and new lines of learning. Um, and then as usual, I love a good book to get deep into things more so than reading articles. Um, yeah, but it's honestly letting people inspire me and letting people teach me things and then digging deeper on my own through books. I've been on LinkedIn for a long time. It was probably during my undergrad that they introduced LinkedIn to, to us. Um, mm. I'm a premium member, so I hope my content is better than it would be. <laughs> But who knows these days? Um, okay, yeah, number nine. What tools do you use? Are you a digital nomad? Ooh, what tools do I use? Um, I think it's really interesting to note that everything I do is now located in the cloud. Um, you know, we use primarily at work. We use the Google Suite. I use I, all my devices or Apple. Um, yeah, I mean, I think as a people manager, I record all my one-on-one -on -one notes inside of Notion or mm -hmm. Google Docs, mm -hmm. but we do a lot of workshopping in Miro and the designers all do their work all in Figma. Mm -hmm. um, Slack, of course, is critical and we do all of our meetings on Zoom. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, and of course, one password. I'm so happy I am now. <laughs> For the last couple of years, I'm very proud to say that I am much more cyber secure than I've ever been. And I do use a password, uh, like a, you know, a secure way of storing and generating kind of more secure passwords. I need to do that. I spent half of my day like trying to guess my passwords. I feel like I'm trying to hack into my own accounts. <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend. Of course, the concern of if anybody gets this master password, I'm in trouble is <laughs> is real. But you know, I try to keep that secure. Um, maybe a digital nomad. I hate that term brings up some uncomfortable feelings, but I think if we look at it as the as I understand it. Being somebody that travels, you know, everything's in the cloud, is able to work from anywhere, then um, I would say I am. And I really want to be. Um, mm -hmm. I'd love to structure my life around being more of a digital nomad. But that's hard because we have a 10-year-old kid. Mm -hmm. Okay, halfway, number 10. How do you deal with work-life balance? Uh, not very well, according to my partner. <laughs> um I will say what I do is, again, remember how I was saying that I'm, I kind of work in these two weeks, I think about life kind of in these two week spurts. And so there are sometimes um, some weeks where um, I honestly work like 12, 14 hour days, but it's because I come into the office at 6 a.m. when the office opens and I leave the office at 6 p.m. Um, because it's just a super focused day. I have like long periods of focus in the morning when nobody's there and I have long periods of focus after work when nobody's there and then I have meetings all day long um, and meetings and workshops all day long and then there's weeks where I just take off a bunch of days um, where I work shorter days because we have Noah or it's um yeah I'm there for school pickups or I'm going to make a point of going to yoga every morning um, so I I, I'm bipolar and I approach work-life balance in a very bipolar way. <laughs> Hard, I, I, it ebbs and flows. Nice. 11, if you weren't doing what you do now, what would you be doing? Oh, I'd be some sort of artist, ceramic artist probably. Oh, and I'd be running an Airbnb. Uh, no, not an Airbnb. I'd be running a bed and breakfast with my partner and I'd have a ceramic studio in the back and our source of income would be the bed and breakfast. Um, and also like selling of some of my sculptures it sounds more like a actual plan rather than a, <laughs> a Sorry, maybe i should go back to number four what does my future look like that is my plan <laughs> as soon like as we have enough, enough money to actually buy that waterfront property in yuki that's that's what's going to happen perfect um number 12 what would you not like to do in terms of career oh god uh Truth be told, I I wish I was. I wish I was more of it. But I love that um, I'm in a structure now where we have staff product designers, so I don't have to focus on craft as much. Mm. Um, that's it's not my strength. Mm. Pixel being really getting to the point of having to really refine um, the pixels is mm. something that hurts my brain. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Mm. Nice. Um, 13, what's your favorite word, quote, or sentence? I honestly did not think about this one. Mm. Um, word, quote, or sentence. I'm, actually, I'm going to go back to the very first quote that I loved, which was Ancora Imparo. And it's the very first little line of script that I got tattooed on my body when I was 19 years old. Mm. 
Uh, do you want to know what it means? Sure. Uh, it supposedly means um, I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, 14, do you have a least favorite word quarter sentence? Ooh, yes, I do. Uh, often tell younger versions of myself uh, that the quotes don't burn bridges is kind of useless and actually perpetuates harm. I think sometimes bridges are bridges should be burned. Mm. Um, don't don't stay in don't stay in toxic situations. Mm -hmm. you, do, you do not need to enter that. You do not to be need to be in it. You do not need to come back to it. You do not need to feel like you should be able to just reach back out. Um, remove the temptation. It can be burned. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, Fifteen. If you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what would you choose? Inviting. That's a good one. Thank you. Um, what keeps you up at night? Financial stress. <laughs> Inflation, recession. Uh, can I make this bed and breakfast artist dream happen? <laughs> you can. Um, I can, a, right? I can. Yeah. I will. <laughs> what's a dream you're chasing? That dream. Right. <laughs> um, final stretch number 18. What inspires you? Other people. Um, when I just other people and the lives they live, um, I have one friend, uh, who kind of left everything was also in tech and found she had a myriad of hobbies and she's like, you know, I'm going to actually work in each of these in small, small ways. And that was really inspiring to me, like being able to say, Hey, I've invested all of this time into this particular type of career, but it's not actually giving me joy. And this is going to be it. And maybe I don't make as much money or maybe I do, maybe I make more, maybe I have three jobs instead of one. Um, and I, I just, I love meeting people and talking to people because they embody what is possible. And that is really inspiring more so than sometimes ideas which may or may not be real, right? People make things real. I think our first guest was Michael Peter, who said that what inspires him is people. And since then, it's really been the most common answer for this question, <laughs> which is which is really great, I think. Um, we also had Dr. Ron Wakari on the show, who um, has been exploring more than human worlds. And um, mm. it's, it's an interesting contrast, um, considering how, how pre prevalent that answer is. Um, number 19, any advice you'd like to share? Um, I think it's because it's on my mind a lot. Um, so this is advice to, I think, anybody who wants to be a people manager or is a people manager. Mm. Um, and that's to connect humanly to your people. Um, yeah, like invest in, the, invest in those relationships and invest in their success. And I think it makes your job a lot easier. Great. And number 20, how can our listeners keep tabs on you? I know for a while, I think you had maybe too much attention and you were kind of trying to back off from it a bit, but um, do, you have, do you have ways we can follow you? <laughs> I love that you know that about me, but I'm kind of like, ooh, what did I say? Um, no, just LinkedIn is the best way to find me, Stevie Tuyan Nguyen. Um, you can find my smiling face on there. Okay, great. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Stevie. Um, it's great hearing about your um, your kind of design lifestyle, which uh, which is in many ways uh, the dream for a lot of people, but also as a as a goal of uh, doing it to make money is is uh, is very real. You know, I think it was just 
maybe last week that the book came out called Design is a Job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and that one really struck a chord with me. So yeah. Um, yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, that was Mike Montiero from Mule, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that was second edition. The first one was very good as well. Yeah. But thanks so much, Thomas. I really appreciate your time. Okay, thanks. Bye. If you like today's podcast, I encourage you to have a listen to other episodes. You can easily find them at uniqueways.ca or wherever you find podcasts. You can also find us on social media. And thank you. It's you that makes these great, and it's you who these are for. Stay tuned for more unique ways. Thank you.